Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show. Your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey everybody and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show. So last night was the final showdown between President Trump and Vice President Biden before the election. And actually, it was fairly decent. I think the new rules that muted Trump made him appear more disciplined and actually worked pretty well in his favor. Before we get into the debate, and that's the only thing we're going to be covering because there's actually a lot, I'm going to start off by saying that I was wrong. A few days ago on the show, if you listened, I spoke about Kristen Welker, the moderator, and was actually really hard on her, talking about her being a partisan hacked, and how I thought that she was going to let her party bias and her family history with the Biden family affect her moderating, but I was, for the most part, wrong. There's a few times that her questionings were obviously left-leaning, but she asked both candidates hard questions. She cut both of them off for the most part. I think something else that she did really well is that both of them, if they wanted to follow up, even if she didn't necessarily want to, she gave them five or ten seconds to respond instead of just cutting them off. And I think that was awesome. So overall, I think she did a fair job and way better than Chris Wallace, who openly debated President Trump on the stage. Okay, so getting straight into it, I think there were good parts of the debates and bad parts of the debates and then some outright funny parts to the debate. If you didn't watch it, I'm so sorry. It was actually great. It was really good. They started off talking about the coronavirus, which I don't know about all of you, but I'm tired of talking about the virus. I'm tired of hearing about the virus. Yes, it is here, but as I've said Time and time again, and the data would show if you're under the age of 45, no underlying health issues, your chance of survival is like 99.98%. Like it's relatively high. And so the fact that they just continue to press this issue is just, it's mind boggling to me. I just don't understand it. But with all that being said, the first thing out of Biden's mouth in the debate is that All the COVID deaths are Trump's fault. The virus killing thousands and millions of people around the world, that's Trump's fault. And that every American that's died because of the virus is that big, mean, orange man, Donald Trump. And Joe Biden using the, I'm going to look at the camera and be so trustworthy and somber with the American people was just cringy. It was just downright cringy. Like, you can almost see how much he's rehearsed those lines in order to say it that night. But this is something we will see through the whole debate. And here's Biden trying to blame Trump for every virus death in America. Okay, former Vice President Biden, to you, how would you lead the country out of this crisis? You have two minutes uninterrupted. 220,000 Americans dead. You hear nothing else I say tonight. Hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm 
I take no responsibility initially. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. We're in a situation where there are a thousand deaths a day now. A thousand. Not only have I been frustrated about the shutdowns and everything else, because for me, my job, I rotate shifts. 20 days on days, 20 days on, on nights. And I'm going to tell you, I got real sick and tired of Walmart not being open 24 hours a day. Talk about an inconvenience that I can't go to Walmart and get me a snack at 3 a.m. That's upsetting. But I'm also frustrated with how much the left somehow thinks that the virus is Trump's fault. Anyway, Trump then turned and speaks about how Biden would not have done, been able to handle the virus the same way, which is probably true. Trump even says it. Uh, Biden's own cabinet said how terribly him and Obama handled H1N1. Biden criticized Trump for closing the border, calling him xenophobic and racist. Trump activated the Defense Production Act. At one time in the debate, at one time in the debate, Biden, Biden actually criticizes him for using the Defense Production Act to create more PPE so that it'd be readily available to Americans. Like, are you serious? Biden just said, Biden then goes on to say, just wear a mask, people. We need a government that encourages people to wear a mask, encourages social distancing, encourages people to oh, reopen their businesses with health like considerations. I'm pretty sure, I don't know about where you all live, but that is all over my government. The federal government recommends it. The CDC recommends it. Biden's continual talk about Trump's lack of a plan during the virus is absurd. And then refuses to actually provide a plan. And all he says is, well, I have a plan. Trump, Trump while responding to Biden, points out that everything he said that should be done, the recommendations, like I was saying, to wear a mask, plans for reopening schools and businesses, that the current administration is already doing that. So here's Trump telling the world that what Biden wants to do, he's already doing and it's just another kind of Biden trying to plagiarize a policy. We didn't know what we were doing. Now he comes up and he tells us how to do this. Also, everything that he said about the way every single move that he said we should make, that's what we've done. We've done all of it. But he was way behind us. Does any of this, though, really matter to the election right now? I don't think so, honestly. I know that Trump's personal beliefs on COVID and the handling was not right. But do I think that any of this really plays a big role in the election? I do not. And that's because I think that the American people are smart enough to realize that Trump's administration handling of the pandemic was actually fairly well, all things considered. They did, like I said, the Defense Production Act, shutting down the borders to China, making more money available federally for vaccines and research. All of that aids in Trump's administration being able to say that they were actively trying to get a handle on it. And Trump says that he left, it's the state's job. Like he left it to the states to set up their own mandate, which as a conservative, that that's phenomenal. Like leave it to the states, have a kind of overarching like just view of it. But if the states want to shut down their borders and shut down their states, that's on the governors 
and the state government, not on the federal government. And real quick, I'd be remiss if I did not cover this. Have you ever seen someone be on both sides of statements at the same time? This is one of those funny moments that when I listened to it, I almost didn't believe that he said it. But here, here it is. And I don't look at this in terms of the way he does blue states and red states. They're all the United States. And look at the states that are having such a spike in the coronavirus. They're the red states. They're the states in the Midwest. They're the states in the upper Midwest. That's <laughs> this shit right here, like I'm absolutely dying. So that man over there, he only sees red states and blue states, but I see the United States. But then red states are the worst states ever. Like. How does a person flip like that? Like, it's crazy. Like, you can't sit there and say, I don't like red states, or I don't believe in red states, or blue states. But all the red states are doing really, really terrible. The hypocrisy is absolutely insane. All right, so enough about COVID. The next topic we're going to go over is national security. And I think it was an absolute mess for Biden, to be honest. The moderator asked Biden about foreign interference and then immediately begins pandering the same thing that's been said for years and that Trump has some foreign ties to Russia that causes him to go easy on him, which the Russia collusion was debunked time and time again. The Mueller report was garbage from the Steele dossier, garbage. But that doesn't really mean anything because the American people are over hearing about Russia. And time and time again. So when the moderator asks Trump the same question, he slows things down and slams Joe on his family and the idea of his possible foreign dealings. Here's Trump. As Joe answered, Joe got three and a half million dollars from Russia and it came through Putin because he was very friendly with the former mayor of Moscow and it was the mayor of Moscow's wife. And you got three and a half million dollars. Your family got three and a half million dollars and you know, someday you're going to have to explain why did you get three and a half? I never got any money from Russia. I don't get money from Russia. Now, so there was that one speaking about how the mayor of Moscow was giving Biden's son $3.5 million for who knows what. But Trump doesn't stop there. You know, that little story the media's kind of been failing to cover. Well, the president blew the top off of it. Here's that. But now with what came out today, it's even worse. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening, and it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. Why is it somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family, but what he said was damning. And regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe... Trump is absolutely right. The American people deserve to know about this. They deserve to know the truth. They deserve to know where the money was coming from. They deserve to know what the Bidens were doing with the money. And if Joe Biden was implicitly involved in obtaining money from foreign governments for political influence while he was the vice president. So to kind of understand like what Trump was talking about, if you're not all the way caught up on the news, there's a man by the name of Tony Bobulinski, who, according to a story reported by Fox News, had firsthand knowledge. So Ron Blitzer and John Roberts from Fox News reports 
The email includes a note that Hunter has some office expectations. He will elaborate. A proposed equity split references 20 for H and 10 held by H for the big guy with no further details. The reference to the big guy in the much publicized May 13, 2017 email is in fact a reference to Joe Biden, Bobulinski said in a statement to Fox News. Bobulinski said he is the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which he explained was a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC chairman. CEFC was the failed Chinese energy firm. So through the CEFC's chairman, Yi, and the Biden family. He said he was brought on as CEO by Hunter Biden and James Gilliard, who was listed as the sender of the email. Bob Olinsky went to say he does not believe Joe Biden's past claim that he and Hunter did not discuss his son's business dealings. I'm sorry, that he did not discuss his son, son Hunter's business, claiming that Hunter frequently referenced asking him for his sign-off or advice on various potential deals. Bobulinski is then quoted, I've seen Vice President Biden saying he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that this is not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They said they were putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some were from the communist-controlled China, he added. Bobulinski also said that he believes that the China involvement in the deal was, in quote, political or influence investment on their part, and that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese. So with all of that, now we have the FBI confirm that the laptop is legitimate and that it is not from foreign interference, from a Russia hoax, from an Iranian hoax, any of that. No one from the Biden family saying that those emails are not real. And now we have a person with firsthand knowledge saying that Joe Biden not only knew about the money, but may have received portions of that equity, saying that it was for a political or influential investment. That is absolutely damning, and us as American people deserve an answer. Now, with all that in mind, do I think that Biden was receiving money? No, I do not. But I do think that his son was out there using his name to make political and business investments in order to get more money. Now, on the same side of that coin, I also believe that Biden was receiving political gains from his son's business deal. As we all remember, Biden was in charge of the Ukrainian foreign policy while under Obama's administration and walked in as a vice president. I don't think that Biden received monetary gains. I think that he received that, and as Bobulinski said, a political investment. They engaged in that dealing, so the Biden family engages with whatever foreign entities, failing business, puts their name on it, and in return, Biden will get a kickback of some form of political, I guess you could say like, good deed or making it to where they could work better with each other. Especially seeing that the countries in which Hunter was dealing with was also the countries that Joe Biden was in charge of the foreign policy.
But with all of that damning heat, like email with Bob Alinsky coming out, what I think is even more damning is Biden's response. I'll play it here real quick, and then we'll have a quick talk about it. Here's Joe Biden. There's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. And your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle-class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. That answer from Biden was freaking hilarious. I'm sorry, was freaking hilarious and was not substantive. It did not give us, the American people, anything. Like, let's not talk about my corruption or my son's corruption or my family's corruption. Let's talk about how you cannot pay your bills because my son is flying around on the world on Air Force Two paid by the taxpayers' dollars to raking cash from foreign countries for who knows what reason while I'm in charge of foreign policy for those countries. But we don't need to talk about my family or Trump's family. But Trump capitalizes it, capitalizes on it, and slams him. Here's Trump's response. 10 seconds, Mr. President, That's 10 seconds. That's a typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing, and then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about not North a typical Korea. politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. And Trump hits this right on the nail. It is so cliche, and the fact that Biden refuses to actually speak on it is ridiculous. And it is unnerving. It should send a sign and send a, a message to the American people that Joe Biden is not willing to talk to you about the allegations in front of him. Further, even though I think that Welker did an okay job, like I said at the beginning, I do not think that she did a good enough job holding Biden's feet to the fire and forcing him to answer those specific questions about his son and their foreign involvement. So that was their little, I guess you could say, it was on national security, but that was like the brief, phys, I'm sorry, foreign policy section. The next topic is healthcare, which in my opinion was pretty mute. Trump campaigned on the removal of the individual mandate from Obamacare, and Biden did something, well, that Biden's very good at, plagiarizing. When giving his response to the question about his plan for health care, he said that he was going to take Obamacare and make it Biden care by providing a public option. Here he is. What I'm going to do is pass Obamacare with a public option to become Biden care. The public option is an option that says that if you, in fact, do not have the wherewithal to be, if you qualify for Medicaid and you do not have the wherewithal in your state to get Medicaid, you automatically are enrolled providing competition for insurance companies. That's what's going to happen. Here's the deal, guys. After hearing that, healthcare for some reason has come up in like every presidential debate for the last 12 years. The push for socialist healthcare is ridiculous. Everyone on the left talking about how healthcare is a right and that people are dying and that it's the government's job to provide that right is wrong. It is the right for you to work and have the option to purchase you and your family health care. It is not the right for the government to provide you with health care. Those are very two distinct and separate thoughts. Socialized medicine does not work, and the public option 
is the first step in creating a socialized medicine. Because as the public option allows for very low cost to the consumer, because it's paid for by the government, it drives the competitors out of business, leaving only the government option. Talk to any of your friends on Medicare, Medicaid. They are disasters. I know it firsthand. My grandmother almost died a few weeks ago because Medicaid refused to purchase the equipment she needed. That is the problem with socialized anything. It kills competition, lowers customer standards, and allows for suboptimal performance because the people don't have any choice. It destroys capitalism and it destroys what the free market can provide to the American people. Trump then slams Biden on something that will be a topic that Trump hits on many times throughout the night, and it's that Biden's been in office for 47 years and eight of those as the vice president. Everything that he is campaigning on, why did he not do it? Why in those 47 years did he not do it? Here's President Trump. He was Your there response. for 47 years. He didn't do it. <laughs> he was now there as vice president for eight years. And it's not like it was 25 years ago. It was three and three quarters. It was just a little while ago, right? Less than four years ago. He didn't do anything. He didn't do it. He wants socialized medicine. And it's not that he wants it. His vice president, I mean, she is, is more liberal than Bernie Sanders and wants it even more. This is so true. It frustrates me. So much that the Democratic Party has a career politician that is campaigning on the ideas that he has repeatedly gone against and continues to lie to the American people. Like, I'll be honest with all of you. That is what drove me to create this podcast is I was just so tired of the lies from the leftist media, from the media that refuses to report on things like the Hunter Biden emails that the politicians on the left repeatedly lie to the American people. That is the reason I made the podcast because I wanted the truth to get out. And he has had so many chances to make a difference. So many chances to make America the place that he promises he will. Where have those chances gone? Where did the time as the vice president go? I just do not understand. And it is so frustrating to listen to a man that has gone, I'm sorry, that has not had one coherent or cognitive thought in the last year, sit there and try to say to the world, to America, that he's going to make a change. It's a lie, and it's outright disgraceful and distasteful. All right, enough of that rant, because we can keep going. The next topic is going to be border security, and Trump nails Biden to the board in this one. Nails him. I'm going to skip all over all the boring parts and get to just the good parts, where Biden says that the Trump administration is out here splitting family and causing them to be parentless, and that there's 500 homeless children thanks to the president's administration, and that America has become the laughing stock of the world. Well, Trump responds, and it's going to be something that I hope resonates through this election, and regardless of who wins the election, resonates through that campaign. Here's here's that clip. Let me ask you a follow-up question. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to that? They did it. We, we changed. did not. They built the cages. They, who, who built the cages, <laughs> let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're built the cages. About. Let's Joe. talk about what we're... who built the cages, Joe. Who built the cages? 
That quote right there should be on the cover of every campaign from now until the election talking about border security. It's just so true. Under the Obama administration, they literally had families in cages like animals. That one liner right there might be, in my opinion, the most grueling one of the night. It just puts in perspective the contrast on border security and what they meant to each election. I don't know about you, but for me, that's pretty important. If you want to come to America, come here legally. Do it the legal way. Don't cheat the thousands of other people across the globe who want a chance at the American dream because you want to come here illegally. That is wrong. Second, it is true. Drug cartels, the fentanyl and opioid epidemic all stem from our southern border. Securing our southern border will save American lives. All right, on to the next issue was race, which all, we all knew that, that was going to be brought up. But most of the questions regarding race were questions and answers that were answered in the first debate, and we all knew where they were coming. But there's one time in here when where Biden tries to be funny and it backfires. So Trump had talked about how he believes that he was the, has been one of the most influential presidents for black Americans, maybe even so since President Abraham Lincoln. Biden tries to make some joke on this, and it backfires. So here's Biden thinking that he's actually doing something with a thought that he thought he may have had that he thought was worth saying. But I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Okay, Vice President Biden, Abraham. let me ask you very quickly, and then I have a follow-up question for you. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He poured... President Trump, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to respond, and then I have a follow-up. No, you made a reference to Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you said where you're Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. No, where did that... No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody right. done what I've done for the black community. And I'm saying... I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said not since Abraham Lincoln... So Biden apparently cannot decipher the English language after listening to that. But he's not the only one. I was on Twitter earlier today arguing with God knows who, and they also could not understand the word since. They were like, oh, well, he compared himself to Abraham Lincoln. No, a direct comparison to Abraham Lincoln would have said, I've done more for the African-American people than or as President Abraham Lincoln. But... He said the word since. And like I told him, Trump prior to his presidency employed hundreds of black Americans at his business. When he became president, debuted the First Step Act, drove black unemployment rates down to all-time record lows, provided funding and resources to black schools. Hell, even Ice Cube came out recently giving Trump support because when he went to go and try to get help from the Democratic Party, for the black community, the Democrats told him, oh, well, just wait till after the election. He went to Trump and they sat down and started to work on a plan to help black America. So now do I think that making the statement about himself and comparing himself to the abolisher of slavery was the right words? Probably not. But the fact that is, the fact is, is that he's done monumental things for the African-American people. Another huge moment is when Trump stumped Biden. So don't worry when you're listening to, listening to this. The podcast didn't freeze. It's just 
Biden trying to move the cobwebs out of the way so he can form a sentence and then immediately get destroyed by Trump. Here it is. Just said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. You put tens of thousands of mostly black young men in prison. Now you're saying you're going to get you're going to undo that. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years with Obama. You know why, Joe? Because you're all talk and no action. All right, Vice President Biden, and then we're going to move on to the next section. We had a Republican Congress. That's the answer. Well, you okay. got to talk them into it, Joe. Sometimes All right. you got to talk them into it. We're going to move on to our next yeah. section. Like I did with criminal justice reform. Uh, Regardless of the fact that he had a Democratic House until 2010, the fact that he sat there and could not figure out what to say was freaking awesome. Like, he's just like, Crap. And then Trump, Trump delivering a lesson on diplomacy. Like, who would have thought that? Like, you got to talk to him, Joe. I did the same thing with my crime bill, which is the first step back. I did the first thing with my crime bill. Like, you have to be diplomatic. You're a president. You're a politician. You're diplomatic. That is your job. Okay, so the last topic they talked about was climate change. And honestly, there was only one thing in there that I thought was worth a crap too. The rest was just the same stuff that we hear all the time. Biden and the cronies on the left talking about how we're sitting on some atomic bomb of human pollution that if we do not stop it right now and get emissions to net zero by like three and a half years ago, that we are going to destroy the entire world and that the entire human race is gonna to come to an end. Well, in saying all of this, the idea of fracking came up and Biden said that he never said it and that he never, said that he would get rid of fracking. He is then immediately fact-checked by Trump. Here it is. Compete of your oil industry. You want and and what about fracking? All right, now, let me, let me, have, let me allow that. Vice President I Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it on I, the tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. So it is true. Biden has said numerous times that he would rule out fracking get rid of fracking, reduce fracking. His running mate, Kamala Harris, has said multiple times that they would end fracking, that their administration would end fracking. And the best part, in my opinion, is Biden, or I'm sorry, President Trump's response like, okay, I'll put it up. And not even eight hours after the debate, Trump's administration put up a video with a montage of countless times that the Biden and Harris administration or the thought of the Biden and Harris administration has said that they would denounce it or get rid of it or be opposed fracking on camera. But it get worse. It gets so much worse. If you want to lose swing voters, here's how you do it. If Biden wanted to lose these swing votes in Pennsylvania, Texas, Oklahoma, this is how you do it. And Trump capitalized on it. Okay, I have one final would question. Would he close it down falls, the oil industry? Would you close it down the falls. oil industry? By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would that's transition. a It is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. Here's the deal. But that's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time. Over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. 
He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying is he is going to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will okay. you remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President so there it is. Biden just openly admitted to closing the oil industry. How many people are going to lose their jobs? The left just doesn't care about that. They only care about their narrative of climate change. They only care about putting more people out of work to force larger government reliance. This perpetrate, I'm sorry, perpetrates their power and was not the intention of the founding fathers. But the way that Trump capitalized on that moment when he sat there and looked at the voters like, remember that Texas, Pennsylvania is great. Like, that right there is what's going to get Trump back into the office. Now, how much does all of this mean? I think it means a lot, to be honest. I know that the new polls aren't out, and the few that are aren't showing much of a shift, but I think we're going to see the polls tighten a lot. A lot of other people think that Trump's performance is not going to have much influence on undecided voters, but I disagree. If there were voters that were undecided in the oil industry, at least if I were them, I would be voting for Trump so that I can support my family. If I was a black American after hearing the crime bill and Biden's past of suppressing black Americans, I would vote for Trump. If I was an immigrant who still had family that were separated and I heard that under the Obama administration with Joe Biden and under a now Biden administration, may keep them locked up in the cages that he built, I would vote for Trump. So I think this did a lot for President Trump than we're giving him credit for. Trump showed up and delivered. He was the Trump of 2016 that was there for the people, opened the dialogue, and showed why he's the best candidate for America. Regardless of his personality flaws, his policies are unquestionable. I think the polls are going to tighten, and we are already starting to see that shift. Again, everyone, it was a late night tonight and it was after work and that's why there's no video, I'll be honest. But thank you all for listening. Ensure that you subscribe and follow anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Also make sure that you tune in this coming Thursday for the next episode of Thoughtful Thursdays. I'll be interviewing a young lady who is a minority and a Democrat. And she will be providing us with her insights and thoughts about this election the climate of America, and her thoughts on social justice. And as always, we'll have a thought-provoking, controversial, and cordial conversations about the hottest topics in the political news. Thank you all for listening, and God bless you all.